Hello and welcome to this message from the river. We hope that this message from Pastor Billy Pate inspires and challenges you towards a greater relationship with Jesus Christ. Now let's join Pastor Billy Pate for another exciting message. You say come to the Praise the Lord. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, go ahead and turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. We appreciate our worship team this morning. They do a phenomenal job, and we just appreciate all their hard work and effort. 1 Samuel, amen. 1 Samuel chapter 16, I want to continue in the vein that we've been kind of talking about for the last few weeks, talking about the life of Saul, talking about how Saul has been really a study in lost potential, and a study in lost promise. Saul lacked character. He lacked the confidence in God. He lacked the courage to do what is right. But today we're going to kind of shift from Saul and shift to the life of David because really David is the anti-Saul. David is the opposite picture uh, of of a person who believes God, trusts God, follows God, has the character to be sustained through difficulties and trials, and he really is a study in seized potential and seized promises. Unlike Saul, David did not lack that character and that confidence and those things that he needed to be what was uh, the greatest king in Israel's history. And so, now, I want you to note this this morning as I say that, that he is the greatest king in history, that he had, you know, his character was in order and things like that. That does not mean that he was not without flaws, and that does not mean that he was not without failures. The Bible's really great about telling the truth about an individual, right? And and it's great about giving both sides of the story. Yes, David was a great king. Yes, he was a man of character. He was a man of integrity. He had a lot of good things going for him, but he had a lot of flaws too. And he made some mistakes in his life. And he struggled just like everyone else. And he compromised even his character at times in his life too. But the difference between David and Saul is that David responded to the Lord in his failures while Saul tried to excuse them, hide them, or blame them on someone else. And that's the difference maker in his life. Righteousness is not a life without failure. Hear me this morning. Righteousness is not a life without failure. Righteousness is a life that includes God when I fail. It is trusting in God to be the, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so my righteousness does not come because I lack failure or I've never made mistakes or I've never dropped the ball or I've never done something I wish I hadn't done. Righteousness comes because I have learned to respond to God even in my failures and my mistakes, even in my successes. No matter what I do in this life, God is always central to it and I keep him in the forefront of my mind. And that's where righteousness comes from. Y'all wake this morning. Okay, good deal. Being great in the kingdom of God does not happen because we do not fail. It happens because of the way we respond to those failures. Failures, mistakes, all of those things are a part of life. You're going to have some mistakes along the way, but what we do about them makes the difference in the outcome. How we respond to God in the midst of them makes a difference in the outcome. Too many times... We would rather hide it than deal with it. We would rather excuse it or blame it on someone else instead of just dealing with it. David trusted the Lord enough to be honest before him and fall on his grace in times of failure. 
And so I want you to help me preach this morning. Help me pray as I preach. We, as we look at the life of David and talk about moving into promise. Father, I thank you for your anointing that's in this room today. Lord, I pray that you give us ears to hear what the Spirit of God is saying to us this morning. I pray that, Father, you would give us an activated faith in this room this morning, that, Lord, would respond to you, that would hear you and respond to what you're doing and saying in our lives. I pray that, God, this would be an engaging time for us to connect to your word and find out what you're speaking to us in this moment. We thank you for your anointing in this room today. In Jesus' name, amen. First Samuel uh, in 1 Samuel 15, just to give you a little background previous to our text, God's anointing has departed from Saul. It has left him because God has finally gotten to the point where he has rejected him as king because of his continued refusal to deal with the character issues of his life. And so Saul goes through this same pattern over and over again. This pattern of where God tells him to do something and he decides that he'd rather do it his own way instead of God's way. And so over and over and over again, not only does he do that, but then God gives him always a chance to respond. God always gives him an opportunity through the prophet Samuel to confess his faults, confess his sins, confess his error, and make things right. But Saul refuses to do that. He is always looking for someone to blame, someone to put it off on, and he never takes responsibility for himself. And so now we pick up our story in 1 Samuel 16. Beginning in verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, and I have provided for myself a king among his sons. Verse 1, look at it again. It says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long are you going to mourn for Saul? Samuel, how long are you going to mourn over what could have been? How long are you going to focus on lost potential? How long are you going to focus on a lost promise? How long are you going to be caught up with what could have happened in your life and could have happened in Saul's life rather than moving forward into the future of what I have prepared for you? Samuel needs a jolt. It is admirable that Samuel loves Saul. It's admirable that he was, he was so connected and so committed to him, even in his flaws, that he still loved him to the point that God has to come along and say, hey, it's time to move on. It's time to pick it up and move on to another area. Samuel had high hopes for Saul, but it's not working out. And he's stuck in mourning when he needs to be moving. Samuel loved Saul. Again, that's admirable. We, we get that. But he can't get stuck in what could have been. Let me just tell you this morning that there comes a point in every person's life when we have to stop mourning and we have to start moving. I said we have to stop mourning and we have to start moving. You can't live life in the if-onlys. You can't live in the if-onlys of life. You can't get stuck in the possibilities of what could have happened. How many times have we gotten to the place where we had this expectation and we had this thought of what our outcome was going to be? We had our life pictured in this particular way and we thought this was the pattern of how it would be unfolded before us and things just didn't work out that way. And we can sit around and we can think of all day long the what ifs of why it didn't happen and what if this had taken place and what if this had worked out and what if I hadn't chosen to go down this road or what if I had made a different decision and we can what, our, what if ourselves to the point where we get stuck in more and we never move forward into what God has prepared for us. Too many people stuck in mourning 
instead of moving into the promise that God has prepared for them. We have today. We do not have yesterday. I said you have today. You do not have yesterday. And you'll forfeit your tomorrow if you spend your today thinking about yesterday. Let me say that again. I said you'll forfeit your tomorrow if you spend today thinking about yesterday. There comes a point when you just have to quit mourning over what could have been and the what ifs of life and start moving into the promise that God has for you. How long are you going to mourn over Saul? Don't get stuck in the failures of the past. Don't get stuck in the possibilities even of the past. God says to Samuel, he says, fill your horn of oil and go. Fill your horn of oil and go. The horn is the vessel and the oil represents the anointing. God says to Samuel, get your anointing for this moment and go. God has everything you need for today available to you today. God has the resources available for you today that you need for today to move into your tomorrow. Yesterday's anointing is not going to help you get to the moment that God has prepared for you for today and for tomorrow. It's not going to help you unlock today's potential. And so many times we get stuck thinking about, well, if I'd have just done this way and if I'd have done it that way and if I'd have worked things out a little bit differently, then things would have been different in my life. If my parents hadn't treated me this way or if mom hadn't done me this way and if if I had a different job or if I hadn't married this person or if I hadn't done this thing, then things would be different in my life. Quit thinking about that and start thinking about what God has prepared for you today and start moving into your promise for tomorrow. God has something good for you. I don't believe in the best days are behind me kind of mentality. I believe that the best days are ahead of us, not behind us. But I will tell you, you'll forfeit everything for tomorrow if you're stuck in yesterday. Stop mourning over it and move in to your tomorrow. We have to get connected to the present activity of God and find the anointing that we need for today and then go. Go. The latter part of verse 1 says, I'm sending you to Jesse, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. Let me ask you this question this morning. What has God provided for himself in you? What has God provided for himself in you? He says, I've prepared something for myself in one of Jesse's sons. I've prepared something special for me. In the life of one of his kids. Listen, he's prepared something special for himself in each and every one of us in this place. You have something that God's put inside of you that that counts for the kingdom this morning. You'll never know focused on Saul's failure. You'll only find it focused on David's potential. And we can't spend yesterday thinking about it, thinking about yesterday and forfeit everything that God has for us in the future. God has provided something for yourself, for himself in you. It may be buried. It may be hidden. It may be stuck in obscurity at the moment. But there is something in there. I believe it. I can feel it inside of me. I know, Pastor, that no one may recognize it. No one may pay any attention to it. But the witness of its existence is inside. And that may have to be enough for me for a while. But there is coming a day when God is going to bring what's in me out of me. And He's going to take me into the place that He's prepared me for. You want to unlock that, then you've got to fill your vessel. You've got to find some anointing. Build that inner man. 
with the anointing of God and let God begin to reveal and unlock just what he has prepared for himself and you. David, listen to me, David didn't provide it for God. God provided it for himself in David. You know, we spend a lot of time trying to ready ourselves in the sense of getting right enough, getting holy enough, getting smart enough, getting, uh, you know, straightened out enough, getting all this stuff enough. And God's saying, look, just come as you are right now and I'll fix it on the fly. I'll fix it while we're moving forward. I'll fix it while you're walking with me. I don't need you to fix it before me. I need you to fix it with me. And I need you just to walk with me and trust me and know that I'm going to fix it and take care of it if you'll just give it all to me. Quit waiting on God or waiting on yourself to get everything right. God's already prepared for himself what he needs in you. We get that so twisted and we start thinking that we actually created our own success when we have some. Well, man, I just lined up everything right in my life and I'm telling you, it just started clicking. I don't know a faster way to go down a downward spiral than that kind of mentality right there. David simply made himself available and he followed God to the best of his ability in his current situation with his current resources with his current atmosphere, with his current everything. He just said, what I have, it may not be much. Really, nobody else has given me any regard. But I'm telling you, what I've got is yours. And if you want it, I'll go with you wherever you want me to go. And I'll give you everything that I've got right now where I'm at. David simply made himself available. Stop mourning yesterday and start moving into today toward tomorrow. God has provided himself something great in you. And so let's find out what it is. Verse 2, it says, Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. The second point I want to make today is that moving forward means facing fears. It always means facing fears. Samuel, he's like, I don't know about this. I don't think I want to go because if he finds out, he's going to kill me. If Saul hears it, he's going to kill me. He's not a happy camper right now. He's not very pleasant to be around. He's not, you know, very jovial at this particular moment in his life. And I'm not sure that he wouldn't come after me in this situation. Moving forward means you're going to face some fears. You're going to face the fears of, well, if I do that, then what? Samuel, right now, in his particular moment in the Word here, is stuck in some hypotheticals. He's stuck in the hypotheticals. And, and, and the fact of the matter is that we spend a lot of time in our own lives stuck in hypotheticals, throwing what-if scenarios to God. Well, yeah, God, but if, you know, if I do that, then what if this happens? Or what if that happens? Or, you know, when trouble comes, well, what if, you know, what if this takes place? Or what if, you know, this happens in my life? What if, what if, what if, what if? We can what-if ourselves to death. It's all hypothetical. We don't know what's going to happen. We just have to trust God. How foolish is it of us to talk hypotheticals to a God who is the beginning and the end and everything in between? Don't you think that he knows this morning? So if the one who knows says go, shouldn't we go? We get stuck because we don't have all the answers to the what if questions of life. And instead of just simply following the one 
who is the answer, we hold up waiting for him to give us all the details of every situation. And he's saying, just trust me. Moving forward means facing some fears. It means trusting God with some unknowns. Yes, there is a lot of legitimate what-ifs that can exist. But when those what-ifs arise, you have two choices. You can spend your life in speculation or you can spend your life in activation. I can get moving with it or I can just sit there stuck thinking about all the possibilities that could go wrong. Stuck figuring it out or moving, finding it out. People get stuck in the morning because it's easier to cry over what was than face the fears associated with what could be. And I totally get that this morning. I understand that. But God has prepared something for himself in you and you don't find it staying behind. You don't find it just stuck waiting on all the things to unfold before you. You find it following his leading and you find it following his direction. Face those fears and move forward. And I would challenge you this morning to flip the script on the what ifs. We always what if everything in a negative light. What if bad happens? What if this goes wrong? What if this doesn't work out? What if this situation doesn't come to pass? What if, what if, what if? Instead of the what if from a negative place, what if we what if from a positive place? What if God's promises are true? What if God's plan is sure? What if God is in my corner and he's working all things out for my good? What if he really does have something great in mind for me? Get fear behind us and get our future firmly in front of us. Reading on in the latter part of verse 2, it says, But the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one that I name to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said and went to Bethlehem. Verse 5, Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And then we pick it up in verse 6. It says, So it was when, he, when they came that he looked at Eliab, And said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature. Because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance. But the Lord looks at the heart. The next point is this. God doesn't see through human eyes. God doesn't see through human eyes. Samuel sees Eliab and he says, man, that dude looks right. He looks like a king. He looks, uh, you know, he's ripped. He's, he's got it all together. He's the oldest. He's been responsible. You know, I mean, he's got to be the one because everything on the outside looks right for him to be the next king. And obviously coming to Samuel's or to Jesse's house, he has to be the one. And God says, no, 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 I'm not looking at all of that stuff. I'm looking on something a little bit deeper. I've, I've gone past the surface. I've, I've gone to the deep places of a person and I'm looking for something inside that I have provided for myself that resides within that person that people cannot see he says I'm not seeing with your eyes I'm seeing with my own eyes now this is what the Lord said to Samuel this is what he said to him he says go and consecrate Jesse's sons right he doesn't say go consecrate all of Jesse's sons except one he says go consecrate all of Jesse's son all of them But Samuel didn't consecrate all of them. Not out of disobedience, but just out of Jesse's exclusion of David. Samuel's not aware that David exists. And so it's not Samuel's disobedience that is happening here. It's just simply uh, uh, something that was overlooked and mistaken. 
But I want you to think about this. I want you to think about the indictment that is brought on David as a result of his own father excluding him from this particular situation. Seven of Jesse's eight sons are consecrated and invited to the sacrifice, but David is left out. Think about what's being said. Well, you know, David doesn't need to be here. He'll just kind of be in the way. David doesn't need to be here. He's not ready for something like this. You know, really, David doesn't need to be here. These other seven sons are a better fit for this situation, and so, you know, that's good enough. David doesn't need to be here. He's got other things that he needs to be doing, things that are better suited for his personality, better suited for his lifestyle, better suited for his gifts. Doesn't, David doesn't need to be here. David, you're not mature enough. You're not smart enough. You're not ready enough. You're not enough. But God said, consecrate Jesse's sons. I would propose to you this morning that Jesse's sons already had been consecrated by God in the spiritual sense. God had already set them apart. Samuel was just showing up in the natural to confirm what was already taking place in the spiritual. So oversight exclusion, I say all that to say, oversight exclusion is not a problem because God doesn't see through human eyes. Yes, Jesse may have left him out. Samuel may have overlooked him. But God didn't misplace him. God knew exactly where he was. God knew exactly what he wanted out of him. God knew exactly what he had prepared in David. And so God didn't make a mistake here. God didn't overlook him along with everybody else. And I just say to anybody in the room this morning, if you felt like you've been pushed aside, if you feel like you've been overlooked and been excluded, listen to me this morning. God's plan's still firmly in place for you. God hadn't lost track of you. God knows where you are this morning and God's not done with you yet just because people said you're not worth it God says I died for that and I'm going to make sure that my promise comes to pass in their life this morning he doesn't depend on human activity God doesn't depend on human activity for spiritual promotion he'll use it he'll use it but he doesn't depend on it and he doesn't need it to get you to where he wants you to be. I've had many people in my life say, Pastor, you, do, you know, you, you really should promote, you know, more. You should do this more. You should do that more. I have a real issue with that because I think if God wants me doing something, he'll put me where he needs me to be. I am faithful to him every single day of my life. I'm faithful in obscurity. And there's going to come a day when God, if he chooses to, he'll put me wherever he wants me to be. I don't need to promote that. I don't need to try to vie for that. I don't need to try to make something happen for me. God wants to open a door, he'll open a door. And I'll be ready to walk through any door that God opens for me. But I'm not going to kick down any doors. I'm not going to try to get somebody's attention because I'm not dependent on human uh, activity for spiritual promotion. My God has my back. He knows where I am. He hasn't misplaced me this morning. David has been out in the field Left in the field, but God knew where he was, and God had already prepared for himself something special inside of David. So even though the criticism of the crowd was that David wasn't enough, the consecration of God spoke otherwise. And so here's my choice today. I can be consecrated by Christ and to Christ, or I can be concentrated on the criticism of the crowd. 
You can worry about what people think about you and you can buy into their ideas about you or you can simply believe that God has consecrated you for a purpose and then you can consecrate yourself to that purpose. You may be in an obscure field of life right now, feeling all alone and feeling dismissed by a crowd of people, but you are not alone. God is with you and He is preparing you for your moment. Verse 8, so Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Saul. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. The next point is this, the Lord doesn't choose others to do what he has chosen you to do. God doesn't suddenly change his mind and say, well, let's just get this done and I'll just take this one. No, he's prepared David for this moment. And he cares enough about the life of David that he doesn't treat him as an interchangeable part in a grander scheme. You're not just an interchangeable part this morning. You're not somebody that can just be swapped out for somebody else and treated as though you're just interchangeable. God cares about you as an individual. God cared about David as an individual. He chose David to be king, not someone else. And even though everyone is pushing David back and focusing on why he can't instead of why he can, the fact remains that God chose him and God didn't change his mind. God chose you and he hasn't changed his mind this morning. He puts something in you, and if you'll let him, he'll draw it out of you. Don't listen to the haters this morning. Don't listen to them. Don't let someone else's thoughts about you define you. There is something in you that only God sees, and he is committed to drawing it out. Consecrate yourself to Christ and watch what he does. Verse 11, Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send him, send and bring him, for we will not sit down. You can underline that in your Bible. For we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one. Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. The last point is this. Keep moving and you won't miss your moment. Just keep moving and trusting God and you won't miss your moment. It's going to come. It's going to happen. It felt like it was over for David when everyone was invited, but he was overlooked. It felt like it was too late when the brothers started passing before Samuel. It felt like opportunities weren't available when David was sent out into the middle of nowhere. But what it feels like and what it is are two different things this morning. God has called you, equipped you, destined you, but he has never misplaced you. He hasn't forgotten where he stashed you. He hasn't forgotten where you're at. He hasn't forgotten his intentions over you. Oh, it may feel like the window is closed, but why worry about a window when he is the door? <laughs> I'm telling somebody in the place this morning that it doesn't matter what it feel, that it feels like the end because God is the creator of some new beginnings. Keep moving and you won't miss your moment. The very people that rejected the promise in you are the very people that will be standing in honor of your coronation. Don't even sit down until he's here. Now let me tell you the backstory of David as Amber comes and begins to play. 
He wasn't just sitting in the field hoping everything would work out. While David was in the field, he was doing all that was given to him to do and doing it with all of his heart. He was given the job of protecting sheep, so he did that with all of his heart. He fought lions. He fought bears. He fought whatever would come and try to take a sheep. He practiced with that sling every single day of his life. He was faithful to watch over the flock, the resource that was given to him. He was faithful with what he had, and he was doing the best that he could with what he had. Not only was he faithful with his time, but also he's singing, and he's praising God. And so all the while, he is consecrating himself to God. I'm dedicating myself to the purpose of God. I'm following after him. I'm getting familiar with the Father of destiny so that when my time comes, I can easily recognize that destiny. He wasn't wasting time this morning. No, no, no. He wasn't wasting time. He was redeeming time. And he was utilizing it and leveraging it against his future. Sitting and waiting never brings you into your destiny. What brings you into your destiny is being faithful with what you have been given. And even if it doesn't seem like much, faithfulness unlocks the door of promotion and faithfulness moves you into promise. David is tending the flock of sheep today but tomorrow he will be anointed as the shepherd of Israel keep moving and you won't miss your moment instead you will walk right into it everyone who said you couldn't will be the ones marveling that you did you're not stuck this morning anywhere you're not lost to God God stashed you where he puts you temporarily till the time is right and then he will launch you into your destiny. Would you stand with me across this place? Stop mourning over the past and move toward your future. Understand that moving toward that future means you've got to face some fears. Know that God doesn't see through human eyes, so don't get caught up listening to the criticism around you. He is not going to choose someone else to do what He has chosen you to do. And if you will keep moving, you won't miss what God has prepared for you. I'm advancing forward every single day of my life. I am moving toward God every single day of my life. I am not taking a day off. I'm not setting aside and saying, God, well, I need a break from you this morning. I need a break today. I'm not leaving spirituality at the door of the church. But every day I am moving myself closer to the plan and the will of God. I don't know every detail, but I know he's got something that he has prepared for himself inside of me. And I'm waiting for the day for it to come out of me. That is the case with every single person in this room. Every single person in this room. So what is standing between you and moving into that moment today? Is it dealing with the past? Pastor, I can't get over it. I can't get past it. I, I, every time I think that God wants to use me, I have all these thoughts that well up inside my mind, all of these things that come against me, and I just can't get over it. Today, let's lay it down. Let's stop mourning over the past, and let's move into the future. Maybe you're here and you say, Pastor, I need to face some fears. There's just some things I don't know, and they're holding me back, and they're keeping me down. Face your fears today. Let God help you. He's not giving you the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of sound mind. Maybe you've gotten caught up in criticism and everything that everybody said about you is just just holding you back. Move forward. Let it go. God's got greater eyes than them. He sees deeper than them. Maybe you've just stopped moving. You've gotten stagnant. You've gotten stale and you've just gotten 
maybe apathetic in your relationship with God this morning, but today is a day where you need to start moving forward. And so if that's you, if any of those speak to your heart this morning, if God's dealing with you about any of those areas, then these altars are open today. I'm going to ask you to come and stand down here. We want to pray for you and ask God to begin to help you move past those areas. What is holding you back? Pastor, I can't get past the past. Get past it this morning. Let God help you get past it. Maybe you can't face your fears. Come on, let's let God deal deal with it this morning. Would you come? Would you come? I'm not moving. I don't know why I'm not moving. Let's figure it out. Let's move forward today. Let's take a step toward our future. God has something great inside of you. It doesn't matter what's happened to you. God hasn't misplaced you. God hasn't forgotten His promise. He hasn't chose someone else to take your place because of some tragedy in your life. God still has a plan. Amen. Amen. I believe there's others in this room today. I'm going to ask you just to kind of reach out to the person next to you. Some of you want to come and stand behind these in the altars this morning. We're going to lift one another up. We're going to believe God to begin to move us forward today. Father, I thank you for your anointing in this room today. I pray for every person that's in these altars today, God, that you would begin to work through the limitation that the enemy has placed upon their life. Lord, if it's fear, we curse fear in the name of Jesus. And we believe that faith is going to arise in us, God, that we can do what you have called us to do. We can take steps of obedience into our future, Father. We know that faithfulness is the door that unlocks promotion. And so, Father, help us today as we move forward. Lord, if there's someone here struggling with their past, Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've gone through. Lord, there's all these what-ifs in our mind, these hypothetical situations that this hadn't happened and that hadn't happened. But, Father, today you are a God that rewrites our story and writes new chapters of our life. And you take nothing and you create out of it, Father. So you can certainly take a disheveled life, a broken life, and write a new story out of it, Father. So to do, do that today, Lord, take the brokenness of our lives and write a beautiful story out of it. Raise us up, Lord Jesus, into the likeness and the plan that you have prepared for us. We thank you, Jesus, for that. Lord, I pray for those that have gotten caught up with what the enemy has used other people to say about them. We pull down those lies and those strongholds that set themselves up in our minds, Lord. We are who you say we are this morning. Somebody needs to just declare that in this room today. I am who you say I am, God. I am not what these other people have said I am. I am who you say I am. I refuse to be limited. I refuse to be defined by the lies that have been spoken to me and through others. I believe you this morning. Your words are true. Your words are true, God. I am yours. Lord, if there's someone here that's just stopped... They're just stuck. Lord, get us moving again. Help us to dig out of the ruts and begin to get traction and move forward, Lord, down the road toward our destiny. We thank you for the anointing in this room, Lord, that breaks every stronghold today. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this room, if you're here and you don't know Christ as your Savior, I'm begging you not to leave this place without making a commitment to follow Him and serve Him. Life isn't worth living without Christ Jesus because real life only comes from Him. And so this morning, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, 
Would you just simply just acknowledge that by just slipping your hand up right where you are and say, I want to give my life to God this morning. I want to make a commitment to follow Him. I'm tired of playing these games. I'm tired of living life on my own. I'm ready for Jesus to take control. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and put it right back down. Nobody's looking around. Yes, amen. You just pray this prayer with me this morning and ask God to come into your heart and change your life and He will begin to work in you. The Bible tells us that if we confess Him, that He will forgive us, that He will be our Lord and Savior. So today, Lord, we just thank You, God, that You are God. We declare that You are God in our lives. You are God over us. Lord, we ask that You be God in us, that, Lord, You begin to change our outlook. You begin to change our thinking. You begin to change our lives. You regenerate us with a new spirit and a fresh, uh, fresh new life, Lord, that only comes from you. Help us to walk in that newness of life, Lord, that Romans talks about. I pray that, Lord, everything that I failed at, Lord, is washed away right now by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is made new. I am no longer who I was when I came in this room, but I am different My life is going to reflect that difference as I leave this place. I thank you for that this morning, Lord, for those that have committed their life to you. We pray your blessing over your people this morning, God. Go with us our separate ways. I pray your anointing upon each and every person, Lord. Draw us closer to you. Move us into the place that you've prepared for us. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you have enjoyed and been encouraged by this message. We'd love for you to join us at the river on Sunday mornings at 9.45 for Sunday school and at 10.30 for morning worship. We also provide our midweek service for all ages on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you'd like to support the various ministries at the river, please go to our giving tab. We'd love for you to visit us at 1110 South Preston Street in Burkrenet, Texas. And as always, we encourage you to come experience life with us at the river.